You're listening to a devotion by Christ Baptist Church. For more resources, visit our website at ChristBaptist.org. Last week, we spent some time thinking about the life of J.I. Packer. He passed away just a couple of weeks ago, and James Inel Packer uh, was a very well-known Christian author and teacher. You may recall last week, as I talked about his life and work, that I mentioned that one of his greatest works, at least greatest in the sense of the most copies sold, was a book he wrote called Knowing God. Well, in case you haven't taken me up on the suggestion that you should buy that book if you don't already own it and read it, uh, or perhaps you are undecided should you buy this book uh, and read it or not, I've decided that today and in the next podcast tomorrow, I will talk a little bit about knowing God, actually drawing on the book to give you a sense of the flavor of what he wrote there. Well, since it seems sensible to begin at the beginning, as always, a little note, first of all, about the title. Yes, when I say begin at the beginning, I mean that, uh, the very, very beginning. So the title of the book, Knowing God, this is just an interesting tidbit, perhaps, a little interesting story. When Packer first approached the publishers about uh, publishing this work that he was writing, they did not like the title. They, they were fine with the book, but the title they weren't so sure about, Knowing God. And they thought it should be titled something different. I don't remember anymore what the different options were that they suggested to Packer, but they said they really didn't like the title. The reason they didn't like the title was that they thought the title wasn't interesting enough. It didn't grab people. It wasn't something that would immediately catch the attention of someone as they're looking along bookshelves or perusing and so forth. Remember, this is, uh, this is a book that was published in the 1970s, so there was no Amazon, no internet to be looking at books on. This was going to your local Christian bookstore and looking for books and so forth, or wherever you might find them in that day and age. But uh, anyway, so there, there, was a, there was a debate over this title, and in the end, Packer won out. Uh, and uh, if I remember the story correctly, Packer won out, but partly for the reason that he he made the argument that the reason the publisher wanted to change the title was in fact part of the very problem that was the reason for writing the book in the first place. In other words, Packer had grown concerned that Christians had become content with fluff, with easy believism, with spiritual and theological pablum, you don't know what pablum is, pablum is a baby food. And his concern was that Christians were thinking that these these little bits and pieces, these easy approaches to Christianity, these platitudes and so forth, and being content with all of that was sufficient. And some people had even convinced themselves that this somehow translated into mature maturity and walking uh, deeply with the Lord and so forth, but he knew it, it wasn't. And he knew that that what they needed was to come to terms with God. And so knowing God, in his mind, was was the point. And he wanted to get that across right from the beginning. Even if the title wasn't sexy or interesting or grabbed anyone's attention, he was quite sure that's what he wanted to call the book. Well... Uh, It should be noted that Packer's view, his belief, was not solely negative. After all, he also believed that not only were there Christians who had become content with 
things that were uh, weak and, and things that were elementary and thought that those, mistakenly thought that those were uh, mature, uh, signs of maturity and so forth. He also believed that many Christians craved something more. And they, they didn't know where to get it. And they weren't getting it wherever they may have been attending church or whatever they may have been listening to. Again, remember, he was publishing this in, the, they published it in 1973, which probably meant that he was writing it in 1972, maybe 71 as well. So this is a time when there were no podcasts, there was no way to get preaching on the internet and so forth. If you wanted to listen to another preacher, the best that you could do was either find it on the radio, uh, a program on the radio, or perhaps order tapes. But even in the 1970s, that would have been uh, sort of cutting edge. There weren't a lot of people producing that. So, so of course, you could go to your Christian bookstore, but a lot of Christian bookstores had a habit of shelving uh, the, the, the fluff, as Packer uh, would complain about. So he knew that there were, he believed, he really honestly believed that while there were many who were stuck in this, this infancy stage of their faith, there were many who desired something more. And his book, Knowing God, was an attempt to say, let me help you continue to move forward in your understanding of God, knowing God genuinely and truly moving to a deeper place in your faith in him. Well, if I may offer a personal comment at this stage, I think what Packer believed of the church in the 1970s is still true today, if not perhaps even more so. For example, even uh, as recently as last week, I heard a story of a man who was on staff at a church and it was, he decided to quit his job. And as I was inquiring as to why this man quit his job and decided to walk away from his, uh, his position, which seemed like the sort of position he would want to stay in for some time. He was not the senior pastor, he was, but he was on staff at a church. The explanation came that the reason the man left the staff is because the, the senior pastor of that church had decided he was going to call in a pastor of a very, very successful congregation that had grown to thousands upon thousands. And he thought, well, maybe we could learn something from this man and how he has grown his church so large. And so this man came. And, and as part of the meetings that took place with the staff, the, the, the visiting pastor who was trying to address how you can grow your church, began to talk about the fact that the staff of the church needed to become the best cheerleaders of the senior pastor's sermon. And what he meant by that was that the staff should, should be seated somewhere in the front of the church, preferably in the front row or the front two rows. Uh, and of course, they're not pews. They would have been chairs or whatever. And, uh, and, and their job at various points on cue and planned they were supposed to lead the rest of the congregation in cheering or clapping or raising hands or what you know, shouting amens or whatever it may be. Their job was to simply cheer this man on and, and they knew when they were supposed to do this. And so the congregation would swell with this sort of excitement and so forth and there would be a feeling of energy and the power of enthusiasm and all the rest of it. And at that moment, Apparently, this man realized this is not a place I want to be uh, employed at. This is not a church I want to be a part of because that's manufacturing uh, religion. That is now seeking to supply something that is contrived for something that ought to be real. And if this is what church growth is, it's not for me. And so he left his position there. And of course, there's nothing wrong with enthusiasm at all. There's nothing wrong with 
energy, uh, an excitement about gathering together to worship God. There's nothing wrong with raising hands and so forth in church. There's nothing uh, wrong with a hearty amen or a praise the Lord. Of course not. Those should always be a welcome part of our expressions of the faith. But no one can conjure up, manufacture, or mimic the power of God's presence. And this is in large part the kind of thing that Packer is getting at in his book, Knowing God. It really matters that when we gather together as the people of God, it really matters that when we spend time alone with the Lord in prayer and in his word, it really matters that as we are living our lives out, even in the mundane aspects of life, whether it be at work or at home or whatever it may, wherever it may be, it's the presence of God, the real presence of God, that we should seek and desire. And, and nothing else should, should uh, be set up as a kind of supplement or addition uh, or replacement for that. Well, uh, enough of my opinion. Back to Packer. Now, early on in the book, Knowing God, Packer says that, quote, there can be no spiritual health without doctrinal knowledge. There can be no spiritual health without doctrinal knowledge. And he is exactly right. Knowing the Bible and how it fits together is necessary to growing and sustaining spiritual health. But Packer is no ivory tower scholar who thinks deep thoughts and lives in the clouds above the fray of everyday life. That is not where Packer lived or how he operated. We know this because immediately after making that statement, he follows it with another statement. And reading those two together, this is what he said. He said, there can be no spiritual health without doctrinal knowledge, but it is equally true that there can be no spiritual health with it if it is sought for the wrong purpose and valued by the wrong standard. You see, Learning doctrine, and doctrine is simply a word that means what is taught by God. Learning doctrine is necessary for spiritual health. It is necessary for spiritual health. But it can also be the, the source of spiritual illness, if you will. It can be the source of spiritual illness if it is learned for me. In other words, if I'm learning doctrine because... I want to know more, and that's really my end. Well, all I'm doing is serving my pride. All I'm doing is serving my ego. I'm serving myself. I'm loving myself. I'm not loving others. I'm not even loving God because the only thing that matters is how much I know. And that will lead to a kind of spiritual illness. Doctrine, studying doctrine in the Word of God can lead to spiritual illness if it is learned as nothing more than a collection of facts or information rather than the living revelation that it is given by the living God. In other words, forgetting that in fact the Word of God is, as we're told in Scripture, a living Word that's sharper than any two-edged sword. It is able to cut us to the very deepest part of ourselves, uh, but it also is the very salve that we need to bring about the healing that is needed after we have uh, had our sin dealt with by a holy God. So third, spiritual illness can also occur while studying doctrine if it is learned in isolation from life. That is to say from loving God 
and loving our neighbors as ourselves. So it's very clear for Packer that while it's absolutely true that spiritual health is in fact impossible apart from knowing doctrine, doctrinal knowledge matters because it is, it is being able to put together, fit together and explain and understand and apply, he's very big on that, applying the word of God, all of that is necessary for spiritual health. But when it is approached incorrectly, for any number of reasons, I've given you three examples, for any number of reasons, it can also actually be the source of a kind of spiritual illness. So the aim of learning doctrine really is, it really ought to be to know God himself in that personal way, because then, of course, we will be changed. To this end, Packer warns against learning a great deal about God without really knowing God. There's a difference between learning about God and knowing God, just as there would be, of course, as we know with anyone else, with people. Um, you You can learn about somebody, but never really know them. And he says, we must guard against this and make sure it's not happening. So as we learn about God, he says, this must be done in a manner, uh, as a matter of prayerful meditation before God that leads to us offering praise to God. I'll say that again. As we learn about God, this must be a matter of prayerful meditation before God that leads us to offering praise to God. You see, it's not just learning facts and information and bits and pieces and so forth. It's actually engaging in knowing personally the one who is our creator and our redeemer. And following in this line of thinking, Packer says, if there is little energy for and practice of prayer, that is a sure sign that as yet we scarcely know God. Packer is bold at the very beginning in the opening chapters of his book to make a direct connection between the life of prayer and knowing God. And the question that he he leaves there lingering in the air is, so examine your life of prayer. And as you examine your life of prayer, that will help you to know, not perfectly and not completely, but it will be an excellent indicator of how much you truly know God rather than just know about him. That's a tremendously challenging word to hear. But of course, Packer wants to help us move in that direction. And that's why he has, again, written this book. So for him, knowing God, as he says, knowing God is a matter of, first of all, a personal dealing, as he calls it. That is to say, understanding that we must be personally involved with, personally engaged with, personally communicating with, personally listening to God. Understanding that knowing God is a matter of transformation, not information. We will know God, because, and the evidence of that will be in the change that takes place in our own lives. So knowing God is a matter of personal dealing. He says knowing God is also a matter of personal involvement. That is to say you are engaged in your mind, your will, and your emotions. And for so many people in the evangelical world, certain, certain segments of the evangelical world, knowing God with our mind, well, that's, uh, that's obvious. We, we do that quite easily. We'll read lots of books and we'll think you know, lots of deep thoughts and so forth. He says, well, those are good things, but it's not sufficient. We must also, uh, we must also know God with our will. That is to say to follow him, to be obedient, 
to follow in the footsteps of Christ and to read the word and apply it to our lives in every way. But he said, that's good too. And there are a lot of people, especially in the evangelical world, who are very capable of applying the word of God and knowing the word of God. But he said, we also must know God in our emotions. It is not something that is, is, a, is a bland knowledge. There must be something that engages our feelings as well. And I think there's much to be said there. I'll leave you to read his book. So knowing God is a matter of personal dealing, personal involvement. And then third and finally says, knowing God is a matter of grace. Knowing God, when we think about knowing God, Packer says, God knows us before we know him. God comes to us to engage us in personal relationship before we go to him to engage in personal relationship. And that should be the source of great comfort and assurance. It's not as though God is waiting and then people waiting for people to come and they just come as they do. No, God is pursuing others. He is pursuing people by the preaching of his word. He is pursuing others by the, the, the translation and dissemination of the Bible uh, to everyone who can read. He is pursuing others by, just a, by, by others speaking the truth and being witnesses. But God is always the one to initiate. He loved us first, and then we love him. And because of that, we know that he, he is not just responding. He is initiating, and in initiating, that is our assurance. That is our comfort, that truly he desires that we should know him. Well, that's enough for today. We'll pick up tomorrow, and we will look at, in the next podcast, we will look at some more of the truths that knowing uh, the Packer wants us to know in his book, Knowing God.